Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your host, Real Joe Quinn. Recording this on a Tuesday, Valentine's night or day eve. Um, fellas, you already know what time it is. Handle your business. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Episode nine forty seven of the Real Deal Podcast, the final NFL week, week twenty three. Wow, 23, man, the NFL season just flies by. Like, it just, uh, like, we were just talking about training camp. We're doing our first, you know, show about the NFL, like, in August, previewing teams. And now, you know, we're going to be looking forward towards the, the draft as the NFL, of course, like the NBA, has no offseason. But before we get to that, there was one more game to take a look at. And, well, get to themes, a new dynasty, the Kansas City Chiefs have replaced the New England Patriots as the NFL's newest dynasty, and there is seemingly no end in sight to what this team could possibly do. Uh, we're going to do two deep dives. We're going to deep dive the first half of the game and then the second half of the game. Um, very, It wasn't a classic. Very good game. Had some I don't think it's had dead spots. I, I mean, we'll get into it in the first half, but I actually think the game was, again, it's a very good game. Anytime you get an overtime. So this is the only second overtime Super Bowl in NFL history. Of course, Kyle Shanahan was a part of that one. The other one where Atlanta blew the 28-3 lead against New England a few years back. Um, but a very good game. A, a, a lot of mistakes. Um, some great defense. And, you know, at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's that's just all there is to it. At the end of the day, he he is who he is. We'll, we will certainly get to him. But before we get to that, we're going to deep dive the first half of Super Bowl 58. Um, they came out, San Francisco came out and was dominate, dominating from the line of scrimmage. They were pushing Kansas City around all over, the, all over the place. They could not block San Francisco if their lives depended on it. And it was starting to look like, Minus the score, but it was starting to look like the uh, last time Kansas City lost the Super Bowl, and that was to uh, uh, Tampa Bay a couple years ago. Like the offensive line, now Tooney was out. That's cool. He's an All Pro. That was a big loss uh, for Kansas City to say the least. And they just couldn't. They like they could not like they couldn't block San Francisco. Like this, like Chase Young was looking like he was you know about to have a, a three or four sack game. He was all over the place all over the place in the first half, played a great game, uh, especially the first half. And, you know, Kansas City was holding on for dear life in that first half. But uh, you knew, you knew at halftime, only down 10-3, that Kansas City was in great shape. And San Francisco will be kicking themselves forever based off the fact that they were only up 10-3. San Francisco had a fumble lost on a possession uh, that should have went that that would have went for a, probably a touchdown the way they were driving down the field that was a killer. Then you had a situation where Kent City down ten nothing, down ten nothing, uh, converted on a third and nine at the at the, at the, they were at their own forty yard line. They're down ten nothing. They offensively they had they've had one play offensively of note that was the fifty two yard pass where Pacheco ended up fumbling on that later on in that possession. Um, other than that, they did next to nothing offensively in the first half. 
Uh, so they, you know, they're teetering on possibly being down 13. If they don't convert this, possibly being down 13 nothing, or even 17 nothing. So they get the 39 conversion, 21-yard pass play, get a field goal, stabilize the game, and go in at halftime despite getting the shit kicked out for the line of scrimmage, only down 10-3. And we've mentioned this before in the podcast. Kansas City has played close games all year long. They are as comfortable as any team in the league, probably more comfortable than any team in the league playing close games. And that did not bode well for San Francisco. Um, it come and come in the second half. In the first half, I thought Purdy threw the ball very well. He made some good throws. Um, started out hot, cooled off a little bit towards the second half, and that towards the first towards the end of the uh, end of the first half that. That actually carried over into the third quarter as um, he was just not good. He was just bad in the third quarter. But the over the overriding point was they San Francisco should have been up by uh, they should have been up by at least two scores easily. They should have been up by at least two scores in this uh, in that first half uh, at the end of the first half. We go to the second half and Kansas City like. The previous second halves of their other of their other two Super Bowl wins completely uh, were dominant in the second half. San Francisco, San Francisco starts out their first two possessions. Sort of, nobody could do anything in the beginning of the second half. There were a bunch of punts. Uh, teams could you know a bunch of three and outs. San Francisco had back to back three and outs on six straight pass, pass plays. Six straight pass plays. They had back-to-back three and outs. Uh, they only had in the first, second half. San Francisco only had 117 total yards in the whole in the entire second half. Um, Kansas defense in the second half was spectacular. They basically they did whatever they wanted to. They completely shut down uh, San Francisco's um, passing attack for the most part, and. This is what I didn't. I just didn't understand with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan had a rough game. That's all. This all this, we can't even sugarcoat it. He's getting bombarded throughout the country by fans, and rightfully so. We'll get to the we'll get to the overtime that decision. But he said he wanted to get thirty rushes in the game. They ended up getting thirty one. This was a game. The way the game was played out, where they should have got. They should have ran the ball forty times. Should have ran the ball forty times. I understand McCafferty was held in check rushing wise, um, having you know 20, 20 carries for eighty eight yards. But I think this was a game where McCaffrey could have got should have got twenty five carries, twenty five to thirty carries. I really I like. I, there's no reason. Listen, McCaffrey, you've been saving him all season long for this moment. So yeah, I understand not running him a lot during the season. You want to maintain him. You want to keep him healthy. He's been injury prone over the course of his career. He, you know, had a great year this year. Will you know, finish, you know, top five MVP, the offensive player of the year. This is a game where you run him thirty times if, if need be. Again, now you want to say, well, Cyril, what are you talking about? He had thirty touches. He should have had forty touches. Should have had forty. I, I wanted the ball in his hands at all times. You know why? Because your other weapons, Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo Samuel combined. Eight catches for 86 yards. Those three combined. These are all now two of them are all pros. Debo and Kittle were all are, were all pros. Okay. Eight catches 
86 yards. The best San Francisco receiver was uh, Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> like he was the and 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 Jawan Jennings in terms of wide receiver, it was Jawan Jennings and Christian McCaffrey. So uh, there was no excuse. Like there was zero. There was no excuse to not give McCaffrey more touches. Throwing against Kansas City's wide receiver, throwing throwing the ball against Kansas City's defensive backs, and you heard Romo elaborate on this point over and over. You just can't do it. Like you, like you don't. You can't make a steady diet of that. Their their defensive schemes, their cornerbacks, the, the secondary is just too good. And if even by throwing Elijah, even by throwing uh, Jawan James's numbers, so that's twelve catches for like what one hundred and twenty yards and a touchdown between four guys. I mean, McDuffie was spectacular in this game. Sneed was solid. Was was excellent. Uh, the the guy Chanel was all over the place. I mean, all over the place in this game. So, the way to beat Kansas City's defense and the way to come at go after go after Kansas City's defense was running the football. And I just don't understand. I've heard people call Kyle Kyle Shanahan out for this before over the course of the season when he's gotten away from the run and gotten too much. But too much into Brock, too much reliance on Brock Purdy. He absolutely did it in this particular game. Um, Kansas City in the second half started opening it up, started to get things going in the, in the third quarter. They had over like three hundred. They had over well over three hundred yards of offense in the second half. In the second half, you saw Kelsey uh, get loose in the second half. He had, he had a big second half. And by the way, if anybody, if y'all thought, and I, I heard this on the end that. And throughout the court on the internet at the end of the game, because I wasn't even on Twitter over the course of the game. I just don't I, I'm too into the game. So I to be watching to be uh following tweets uh during the game. But I heard the talk after the game about Kelsey bumping Andy Reid and y'all thinking that that was that Andy Reid is going to take out his Hall of Fame all pro tight end of a Super Bowl in this like <laughs> I'm so because he bumped me. And, and, and listen, Andy Reid. Andy Reid is a smart coach. He's a smart guy, smart coach. He's oh yeah, I, you caught me off guard, <laughs> which may be true, but I like <laughs> he's not he's not taking Kelsey off the field. Uh, you, you saw some tweets. Uh, Should have been suspended. He's out of control. Um, I believe that play was he wasn't in on a play where the guy fumbled. Uh, where there was a miss, where the guy fumbled something like something like ha- that happened, um, and he so he's pissed off. That was the time where, that was the during the t- time of the game when Kansas City's offense couldn't do anything. But if you think that Andy Reid was taking Travis Kelsey off the field, you, it's like Travis Kelsey is not the the third string tight end. We're not talking about a no name here. I'm talking about one of the best players, one of the best players on their team, uh, a a Hall of Fame, arguably the greatest tight end of all time. He's going to take him off the field in a closely contested game where legacies are on the line. Like, I'm chasing my third Super Bowl. So I'm going to cut my nose to spot my, spite my face. Now, it might be addressed privately behind closed doors in the offseason. It may have been addressed yesterday. Or even might have been addressed that night. But he's not taking Travis Kelsey off the field. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> what, are we doing? what are we talking about here? There was zero chance that that was going to happen. Zero. And as far as, excuse me. So we get to the fourth quarter. <laughs> so we get to the fourth quarter. Exciting fourth quarter. A back and forth quarter. Fourth quarter. Both quarterbacks did their job. 
as I like, get some water here. Both quarterbacks absolutely did their jobs in terms of leading their teams to uh, field goals. Um, both Purdy and uh, and Mahomes absolutely did their jobs. Um, Kansas City, you know, Mahomes led his team to a, you know, to a couple of field goals. Purdy led his team to a game. Um, to what could have been the game uh, winning field goal. Uh, both the quarterbacks, in essence, did their, did their jobs for the most part. And, of course, you had to mix the block extra point, which absolutely was a killer. I mean, absolutely was a killer. And that absolutely was a killer that uh, allowed Kansas City to, to tie the game uh, and and get us and go, and go into overtime. I had no problem with Kansas City not going for that second play down the 11-yard line with only six seconds six seconds left. I thought they possibly could get in that second play, but you, you can't risk that a sack or from you can't too many things can go wrong before you uh if you try if you once you risk that if you risk that. Um Mahomes in the second half was spectacular. Like after a shaky first half, no he had the, I know he had outside the interception in the uh, third quarter, which San Francisco was not able to take advantage of. That was a missed opportunity. Uh in the first, and, and at up 10 3, they throw an intercept. He throws an interception. They had the ball at the Kansas City, uh, on Kansas City side of the field, and they get nothing out of that. That was even not even a field goal because at that point, Kansas City's offense is still struggling. That, that was again a, a huge missed opportunity for San Francisco, who will be kicking themselves. I'm sure, sure they're kicking themselves, uh, after that game with some of the mistakes, the mistakes that they made. Uh, we'll talk more about that, but. We get to the overtime. San Francisco wins the wins the toss, and they choose to they choose to uh, give Kansas City the ball, or they choose to, excuse me they choose to take the ball first, which with the old rules would have made perfect sense. <laughs> if you if you score a touchdown first, the game is over. The problem is uh, since the Buffalo Kansas City game a couple of years ago, that rule got changed in the playoffs where every each team is guaranteed a possession unless the defense scores a touchdown. And it was it's absolutely inexcusable, beyond inexcusable, why in that situation you don't defer. First of all, if you defer, right? First of all, you defer because you're putting the pressure on you're putting the pressure on the offensive team to score a touchdown. Okay. A field goal means next to nothing. You get a field, they get a field goal, you score a touchdown, the game's over. One. Two, you're going to get the ball back no matter what. Even if they score a touchdown, you're going to get the ball back, deferring. And three, you could actually win the game by scoring a defensive touchdown. Six, six, the game is over. Fumble recovery, the game is over. For to the house, the game is over. So not to take the ball. I like I I'm seriously considering. I wonder if Kyle Shanahan forgot about the rules. I really I that's not I'm not even joking. Cause you had three or four San Francisco uh, 49ers players say that they uh had trouble with the rules or forgot the certain parts aspects of the rules. I wonder if Kyle Shanahan wasn't one of them. There's zero excuse. There's zero reason for you to take the ball under the current under the current format, where even a touchdown does not win the game for you. 
Now, I had no problem with Shanahan not going for it on third and four, on fourth and four, when they drove the ball down, when they drove the ball down uh, to Kansas City's, uh, inside of Kansas City, inside Kansas City's eight-yard line or something or something like that. It was close. It was on eight or nine-yard line, something like that. Or even, it might even have been closer. But it was inside the 10-yard line. I had no problem for it not going for it because you if you don't go for it, all they need is a field goal. And you got Patrick Mahomes, so that that was fine. Kick the field goal, but make them make them score. But to not defer made zero sense. And to to say that, well, the analytics analytics, which is the which is the one of the worst words in sports. When I hear the word analytics, it the it makes my skin crawl. When these organizations use the word analytics, because it just makes dumbasses out of out of seemingly smart people in sports it really does like i like i, I can't say it i can't say it any other way there's no excuse think about this right so the analytics say hey if they don't score then if we don't score then they don't score then we want the ball back the third time so that that will guarantee if we get if we score then the game's over how many overtimes are going to you going to have that main possessions and they're going to be three possessions. How I many? Like, it's uh, like, like, like let's, let's let's think about that for a second. Kansas City scored in the second in their second possession. In most overtimes, teams are going to score in either first or second possession. There's not going to be three possessions at this point in the game. Guys are tired. This is a Super Bowl. Uh, mistakes are going to happen. Like the, the idea that you're playing, that you're that you're thinking that there's going to be a third possession is insane in this type of game. It's in, absolutely insane. So analytics again makes the, a dumbass out of out of a guy who was considered to be one of the brighter coaches in the league. It was just a dumbass move. Like there's all this to it. Like and Kyle Shanahan is not a dumb guy. Clearly, he's not, especially offensively. But this was a dumbass move. It, it's just all the the more and more you think about it, is it should have been just easy, an easy decision to defer and give Kansas City the ball. Easy decision. When Mahomes gets the ball back after the, the San Francisco field goal, you knew like you knew the game was that that was uh, you knew it was a wrap. You knew it was a wrap. Like there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to take them down the field and they were going to score a touchdown the way it was set up. We're going to do we're, we're going to do plenty on Kansas City. I want to get to a couple 49ers things. 49ers uh, points uh, in terms of this game. They so this game I I would say that if I compare this to the last time these two teams met in the Super Bowl, I know you were. They were up twenty-one ten at halftime, and they got outscored thirty twenty-one uh, nothing in the fourth quarter. So that that was a rough one. I mean, down they were up twenty to ten at halftime at one point, and going to the fourth quarter they were up twenty to ten, and they got scored. They got outscored twenty-one uh, nothing in the fourth quarter. So that was a rough one. But at that point. I think it was safe to say that Kansas City at that 2019 Kansas City team had probably player for player more talent than San Francisco. And there was a major gap, of course, at the quarterback position. In this game, pound for pound, San Francisco had has more talent. Like they have all pros up and down the board. Now, I don't think I when I get to the Kansas City aspect, I'll explain why this it you know this Kansas City team is much better than what we realized that they that they were despite the record of them being only 
you know, 11 and six and uh, losing six games uh, this season, which is a lot for a Super Bowl champion. The most going back to, you got to go back to Baltimore in the 2012 season when they were like 10 and six. But this team was much better than, than that from a standpoint. When you look at their complete, them as a complete team. The reason why I think this loss is harder and more devastating is, number one, Purdy wasn't the problem. Your quarterback, see, going back to that Super Bowl a few, four years ago, to a man in that organization, nobody will publicly say it, but they thought Garofalo cost him that Super Bowl. To a man in that organization. They, 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 they believe that he absolutely cost him that Super Bowl. Right. Purdy in this game was, I would give Purdy a B to B plus. Now, listen, I'm not going to go Dan Orlovsky and sit here and say he played fantastic. That's just stupid. He didn't play fantastic. He missed. There were at least two touchdown throws that he missed. One was should have been was should have been without question a touchdown to Ayuk in the first half. Should have been a touchdown. He missed throws and he was not good in that third quarter. Like I said, they only had 117 yards of offense in the second half. Now again, give give Spagnola and Kansas City's defense a lot of credit. They basically locked down everybody uh, in these playoffs and never gave up more than 27 points this season, which is just in this day and time is just unheard of. But Purdy, you know, Purdy was not the problem though. He didn't have he didn't make the catastrophic mistake. He stayed away from that, and he made some plays. He did, you know, he did take him down the field to get a uh, what seemingly he did take him down the field to get a uh, what we what possibly could have been a game winning game winning field goal to make it nineteen sixteen. Okay, you gotta give him credit for that. He took him down the field when Kansas City went up uh, went up thirteen ten, bounced right back and scored when that when momentum could have went the other way. So Purdy made plays in this game. Again, he had a solid performance, a very good, I think, a very good performance, solid to very good performance. He wasn't the problem. Now, again, there are levels to this. Like, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Nobody is. He couldn't, like, that. he couldn't reach that level, and that's fine. I'm not knocking him for not being Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the world. So you have that going for you, and the fact that this team – this San Francisco team, again, was player for player, had more has more talent than that team back in 2019. They just, they just do. And now you're going to have to pay Purdy, and you're going to lose some of that talent. You're going to lose some of that talent, pure and simple. That game, this game was right there for the taking. I mean, right there for the taking for San Francisco. Now, it's hard for me to say they should have won this game because now I'm disrespecting a team that got, is going to win God knows how many Super Bowls and a franchise that, that could win, who knows. I said five. I got to push that number. That number, that might be low, to be honest with you, the way this team is going. Five might be low. I had five in mind. Two is still, two super, there's still two Super Bowls away from that, but, you know, that number might, that, that might number, number, number might go to six. Have to be. I might have to push that up at least one Super Bowl to where they're going to win probably six. But everything was right there for you in this particular game. Kansas City in that first half offensively looked lost. They looked lost in that first half. Even Mahomes was was semi shook in the first half. Had a little bit of happy feet. And you just made they just you know San Francisco with the penalties 
with, you know, you can't, you know, uh, the ball hitting a guy in the foot on a punt, a blocked extra point. You just those mistakes against a team like Kansas City just, you just, you just, they just can't happen. They just cannot happen against against that quarterback. You just, you just can't. They do again. This is the part of Kansas City where they have taken a page out of New England, New England's book. They are so solid all around that you can't have one aspect of their game fail you. They have a great kicker. They have great special teams. We know what the quarterback is. And now they have a complete defense. Uh, they are a complete, they Kansas City is a complete football team. They lost to a complete football team, but this is a game that San Francisco easily should could have won. Easily could have won. You know, Baltimore a couple of Baltimore back in the day, they go they were getting their asses kicked down 28-6. That game shouldn't even been as close as it did until the lights went off in, in New Orleans. That's the only reason that game went off. That's the only reason why that game was close because the lights, they shut the lights off. And Baltimore was not the same team after that and, and you know, barely survived to win, you know, to win a close game down, this, down in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, 12 years ago, excuse me, 11 years ago. This game was right there on a platter for San Francisco. When you talk about um, Kansas City, I think that we have to, first of all, like in their three Super Bowl wins, they've outscored their opponents 67 to 33. That's going back to San Francisco, first San Francisco game, last year's Philadelphia game, and now this game. 67 to 33. And enough can't be said, said about Andy Reid and Steve Spagnola. Like Spagnola's defense in the second half, the perfectly timed blitzes. Um, that blitz on the third and four that got in the overtime that got San Francisco off the field and forced him to a field goal. That was just it was just perfectly it was a perfectly disguised, well timed blitz that McDuffie comes off the edge. They were expecting blitz, but they weren't expecting him, a six a six guy to come. He brought six. He knocks the ball down. They forced him to kick a field goal. Oh, excuse me, was that uh, my bad. I actually that wasn't that was the one that that forced them that forced them to kick a field that allowed Kansas City, I believe, to go back to have enough time to go back down the field to to, uh, to tie the side game. I'm sorry. So that was in the fourth quarter. That that uh, that blitz, but that was the biggest defensive play of the game. Considering if 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 if, if 49ers convert that, they can they could have ran the clock down in essence and set up a game winning field goal. And now Andy Reid, as a coach, enters, you know, that rare era of three Super Bowls, only the likes of, of course, you got Belichick, Gibbs, Bill Walsh. Those, I mean, that is rarefied air. That when you get that third Super Bowl, separates them from a few guys that that have two. Uh, Seifert, Parcells, Shula, Lombardi. You get that third. Now we're talking about, you know, we'll we'll talk about Mahomes challenging Brady for the GOAT. It, it is on the table that Andy Reid could end up being the greatest coach of all time. He is not that far away from Bill Belichick as far as wins, total wins. Playoff wins, he's still, you know, Belichick, has uh 30 he has reed has 14 but i mean you know i don't know if i mean bell who who knows what belichick's future will look like even if he does get with a team next year andy reed is not going anywhere anytime soon 
Like I, I just don't like as long as Patrick Mahomes is 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 on the team, I like I don't see Andy Reid retiring anytime soon. I just don't. Like this guy is chasing those records just like Mahomes is. And to think, you know, this was a guy at, at one at one point who we used to destroy when he was with, with the Eagles with the clock management, even beginning of his Kansas City tenure. He is heads and shoulders above anybody in the NFL is in terms of the of, uh, in terms of uh, being the best coach in football. He's heads and shoulders above anybody, and it's not just X's and O, X's and O's. It's how he manages his team, the culture, the, the, his demeanor. That team is never nervous. They are never they never get too high, never get too low. You know, so I think that uh, they, you know, they are set up for a run that if they, if they don't match the match, if they don't exceed New England's will at worst to me match what New England did um, for 20 years uh, in the, uh, in the, in the uh, 2000s. This team, this team was better than what people thought it was. And, you know, all season long, we kept saying it was scary for the AFC, especially when they got to Super Bowl, considering that this was the worst version of Kansas City. I'm not so sure I believe that after watching, after you know, a couple of days to digest this game, to look back on their season, when you look at the, the uh, totality of their team, um, yeah, they've had years where they've played better offense, but they none of those teams, none of the Kansas City teams in the Mahomes era has, or the Andy Reid era, they that they played better defense since Mahomes got there. Like this, by far, is their best defense. They have a all-world kicker, right? And you have Patrick Mahomes, even though this year statistically was his worst year, he is at a level in terms of his understanding of, of the game. We talked about it last week or a couple of weeks ago after they beat Baltimore, where he's completely mastered the game of football. That he's 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 like he's a chess master. Like he's, he's similar to like what LeBron James became. Like he's that's this version of him is the best version, despite um years where he's thrown 5,000 yards, despite years where he's won MVPs, despite years where he's thrown 50 touchdowns. This version of Patrick, Patrick Mahomes at age 28 is the best version of him, the way he's able to control a football game and manage a football game. Yeah, I said it, manage a football game. This is the best version of him. So with that being said, with that being said despite the six, law, six losses, I can make a case that this was Kansas City's best overall team in terms of in terms of being this in terms of this was their most complete team during the, the, the Reed Mahomes tenure. I can make that case. That they were they're probably better better than what we give them credit for. And again, the scary thing is they have a young a defense. They're they're a relatively young football team. Yeah, they're old, you know, Kelsey is not getting any younger. We understand that. They'll have to make they have to make a decision on Chris Jones, which I don't like. I don't know if that's even a decision. Like Chris Jones, I, I don't see how you listen. Now they let go, letting go Tyreek Holmes. Listen, listen, it's a big difference between me, between I feel like letting go Tyreek Hill or, or possibly trading to train Tyreek Hill versus letting go possibly Chris Jones. I don't think you can let. I I think they have to do everything in their power to sign Chris Jones. Chris Jones is one of the best players in football. Football at a position that. You don't see defensive tackles doing doing what he does like that. He's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. 
Uh, again, if, if they did let him go, I wouldn't, like Tyreek Hill, I wouldn't doubt him. They're doing it for a reason. I, like, I have full trust in them. I have more trust now. I had trust in them even before during the Tyreek Hill move. I have, that, that trust has tripled now considering what they've done since they let go Tyreek Hill. And how about that? They let go Tyreek Hill in the, what, uh, spring of 2022, and they've won Super Bowls in, in, both, in both years with no Tyreek Hill. But Chris Jones, I, I don't think you can – I just think that they need to do everything in their power to re-sign him. Like that guy, a guy that can – yeah, he can wreck a game. And he may – again, he made plays that were game-saving, that were – that saved touchdowns with his – with the pressures. Not just the sacks or tackles, just with the – just disrupting the quarterback's rhythm, pushing the offensive linemen into your quarterback. He did it against Buffalo, and we saw him do it against – uh, we saw him do it in this game. So he made not only just being a, a just a great, great player, he made in, intangible plays that helped him win a championship. And he's the best, by far the best player on that defense. Even with McDuffie and some of the other guys they have, he still has and shoulders above any of their any of their defensive players. And one of the top defense defenders in the league. As far as Mahomes versus history, um, it goes beyond gauging him versus the other quarterbacks in NFL history. I think right now he has solidified himself as the second greatest quarterback of all time. You know how much respect. If you've listened to this podcast, you know how much respect and how much I revere as a football player, Joe Montana. I For years, I thought Montana was the, was the greatest until Brady got that sixth Super Bowl. Um, but I, like, Mahomes with the playoff record, with the MVPs, with the fact that he's taken teams that were not considered to be as dominant, um, dominating teams to the Super Bowl, the intangibles, I, I have to put him over Montana. I know Montana has one more Super Bowl, and I know Montana has played cleaner Super Bowl. Nobody has in history of, of the NFL has played cleaner in Super Bowls than Montana. No quarterback. Like, no quarterback can match 4-0, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Like, nobody can match that from that standpoint. That's perfect. That's near to perfect football. But Mahomes' postseason now record is, what, 15-3. and You're talking, like, what, 43 touchdowns and uh, 10 interceptions. Just some ridiculous mark. 41 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. It's just some insane mark. He threw his first interception in this game. Was his first interception in two hundred? Was his first interception in two hundred eighteen attempts in a postseason? Which again, that just doesn't happen. Even to the, some of the greatest of all time, that doesn't happen as far as going that many pass attempts without throwing a pick. And he doesn't. This is not a guy who throws is plays conservative by any stretch of imagination. So I, you got to start thinking about comparing him to other quarterbacks in our history. You got to start. He's gotten off to as good a start as any player in the history of, of team professional team sports. You're talking about again three three MVP three three Super Bowls three Super Bowl MVPs two MVPs in the regular season. You gotta go like Bill Russell. Bill Russell six six championships four four regular season MVPs. They didn't have Finals MVPs then, but there's a reason why they named the trophy after him. Go to hockey, Guy Lafleur, four Stanley Cups, two MVPs. Larry Bird, three MVPs, three championships, two Finals MVPs. This is 
this is the this this is like the first seven years of their respective careers. Mickey Mantle, two MVPs, four championships, and of course I already mentioned Mahomes. I don't go Jim DiMaggio and Babe Ruby because they were not playing as black or Latino players. I'm sorry, I just don't. I, I can't. They it doesn't carry the same weight to me. You know, you weren't playing his brothers or or lat or Latino players, which are some of the greatest players of all time. I can't. I just don't. It just doesn't say, carry the same weight. That's another. We can talk about that in another podcast. Why I don't. Um, that their numbers and what their accomplishments don't carry the same weight as when the uh, when uh, after uh, Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. But you have to start putting Mahomes up there with any. With, he's in conversation. He's going to be in a conversation in terms of being one of the greatest athletes of all time. Like when he's 38, 39, we're going to be having that conversation when he's racked up, you know, five or six, maybe even seven Super Bowls. He's going to be in that conversation without question. And with this repeat, seven Super Bowls, is, is, is that's on the table now for Mahomes. 28 years old. He's been relatively healthy over the course of his career um, with the best organization in football, the best coach in football, a, a great culture. Seven is on the table. It's still it's still a hell of a lot of Super Bowls. Four Super It's like that. That would is there a Joe Montana career away from he's a Joe Montana career away from tying Tom Brady. So it's still a ways away when you think about it. But this he had to have this one to uh, give himself a chance, a realistic chance of catching Tom Brady. I felt like he had to have this one. And frankly, moving forward, can despite the minefield that the AFC will be next year, they are the favorites to win it all next year. And I would not be surprised if they repeat it, not by any because now they have mastered how to navigate the regular season to where they don't have to have home field advantage. They don't have to go have this guardy record. They don't have to go all out for those eighteen weeks. They know how to manage. They're, they're kind of like where the Lakers were. In the early two thousands, with Kobe and Shaq, they would kind of tread what the, outside the Lakers. When you look, when you go back, go back and look at that. The Lakers were great the first year, right in the regular season. Then after that, they had okay regular seasons, kind of tread not traded water, but kind of you know took their foot off the gas and got ready for the playoffs. That's where I think Kansas City is at right now. That's what, and and that would be, of course. The Lakers are the last team to win three straight championships. So that's why I bring them up as well. That 2000 to 2002 uh, L.A. Laker team led by, of course, Shaq and Kobe. But I think Kansas City knows how to navigate the regular season uh, better than anyone. And as long as the 15 is upright and Andy Reid is coaching, they they're not they will never be an underdog, underdog. And it does not matter. It doesn't matter where they where they play at. I mean, the rest of the AFC is chasing them. Again, the AFC is going to be loaded next year, probably even stronger next year if you get some healthy quarterbacks back and you have, of course, the Chargers getting uh, hardball as a head coach. So the AFC, listen, the AFC is the AFC. It's the, reason, the reason why San Francisco is a favorite next year, the betting favorite, is because of how tough the AFC is. That's the reason why. But I, I without question, I have more confidence in – their ability to repeat than I did those San Francisco, the San Francisco team in in ninety or even the 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 um, New England team in two thousand five. I, I just do because of where they're at right now. Um, as far as just being, they just 
they are they are as an organization the way the way they move their culture the way they draft develop talent they're just light years ahead of they're just ahead of everybody everybody in the nfl they're smarter like they like the patriots they are the new patriots that's all they are they are absolutely the new patriots and they have a guy in patrick mahomes that is just a generational talent and he is on pace to be the greatest quarterback of all time, if not one of the greatest athletes of all time. And again, he's after the game, he's already talking about going for a third straight. Like he, that's the mindset he has. He has that Jordan mind. He has that Kobe. He has that mindset of, you know, greatness is. They say greatness is greedy. He's not. He's nowhere near being done as far as settling for just uh, three Super Bowls. But overall, very good game. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the, the halftime performance uh, later on the podcast. Uh, but again, San Francisco, you got to be just—you you have to be sick if you're if you're the 49ers. That that game, again, that game was right there. One last thing before I move on: the Brock Purdy discourse is interesting to me, and it's it's gotten it's interesting and kind of annoying at the same time. It's like we can't just say that he's just a very good quarterback. We we either have to say he's you know Joe Montana like, which I've heard, or we have to say we have to bring back this game manager ish bullshit again, or we have to bring back the fact, or you know Dan Orlovsky, he was fantastic. So it's like we can't find a happy medium or a middle ground with how we gauge Brock Purdy. It's really not that difficult. Like Brock Purdy was a very good quarterback. He's not great. He's not, you know, he's going to get paid because it's not that many. It's not that, frankly, it's not that many very good quarterbacks in the NFL. He's still relatively young, so he can he can get better. But I I just think he's very good, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that. Um, he is what I thought he was coming in, coming into this uh, playoffs and throughout the guy who I saw throughout the course of the regular season, like a guy that could make some plays, but also needs a certain amount of talent, talent around him. Now it'll be very interesting as they start losing some of those players, which they will. What, you know, how he develops, develops as uh, in the future, in particular next year, they're going to start losing some of these guys. They can they have too much talent with him getting paid and uh with him seemingly with him going to get paid to keep all those all pros on the team. That's all there's to it. So we will we will absolutely know who and what Brock Purdy is as a player in the very, very near future. Next season. By next season, we'll know. Who won the week? Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, that have been too easy. You know who won the week? Taylor Swift. You know why Taylor Swift won the week? Because in spite of all the hate, the vitriol that you that you guys have just given her, she came out on top not only with album of the year with the Grammys. She's dating a the guy a guy who you know is one of the greatest tight ends of all time, and the Kansas City Chiefs won. And everybody is again. Everybody was railing on Taylor Swift. Oh, we see her too much. 
And it's like, first of all, y'all was giving her way. I mean, as a country, as a as a as a nation, it was giving her y'all was giving Taylor Swift way too much energy. Like when I watch Kansas City football games, even in a regular season, and they would show her a hundred thousand times, it it just didn't do it for me. It didn't bother me. And like I really didn't have any emotion, even didn't have any emotion or thoughts of it. I understood what it was. I understood that they are trying to attract a younger demographic. Like Taylor Smith made over $300 million for the NFL as far as in terms of ratings and things of that nature. Like $300 million. That's why they keep showing it every five seconds. What I did notice in this game, it wasn't too many Taylor Swift moments in the first when Kansas City was struggling, when they were down to nothing. They had that, there was limited Taylor Swift access in that first half. In the second half, Kelsey started catching passes. Oh, it's Taylor. Taylor's laughing and, you know, chilling with Ice Spice. But she won the week. She absolutely, she, she won the week. You can't have a better week or a better two weeks than what she's had. Like, it's just impossible. Impossible. And frankly, I'll be honest with you, there's really no reason to hate on Taylor Swift from a standpoint of, you know, she's, again, I don't listen to Taylor Swift albums. I've, you know, she's clearly talented, but I, um, she's great at what she does. Like, she's great at making records and making hits and making music. She is. Love her or hate her. She's great at it. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. You want, like, listen, you want to get into the whole celebrity dating is not real, whatever. Well, we can, that's a whole other conversation. You know, fake relationships, real how real are these relationships? I I you know, we know we know where the time is from that standpoint, more times than not. But the bottom line is she won ultimately with all this attention that's going towards her, with the fact that Kansas City won the Super Bowl, she won. Period. So Taylor Swift wins the week. I'm sure y'all are being sure y'all are thrilled by that. We'll close out with some real thoughts. Shannon Sharp versus Mike Epps. Um, this is hilarious, uh, to say the least. Uh, Shannon Sharp, of course, responded to Mike Epps' comments he made in a recent show about uh, Shannon Sharp's sexuality and about the fact that, now according to Shannon Sharp, he's more pissed off about Mike Epps lying, basically saying that Mike that Shannon asked him to be on uh, Club Shay Shay, and he vehemently denies that. Uh, basically, accuses Mike Epps of you know chasing clout and so on, and calls him a flat out liar. And you know, I'm gonna see you when I see you. I'm coming in. I'm you know I'm coming for Indianapolis during the All Star Weekend, which is next week. Uh, Mike Epps responds basically by, in essence, almost without saying it, <laughs> without basically saying it, but insinuating that you know, you know, he'll shoot Shan Sharp. Which we know it's not going to happen, and nobody's going to fight. Listen, look, look. This is this is where we're at as a as in society. First of all, Shannon Sharp in twenty is is winning twenty twenty four. Like it, whether you love hate Shannon Sharp or in between, he's absolutely winning twenty twenty four. Like he has covered like in terms in terms of viral going viral in terms of the, with his podcast, the Nightcap first take. He's killing the game. He's killing it out here. He is. That's what I mean, I, I you can't take anything away from what he's doing right now. The nightcap is great. 
Yeah, that show is a great show. Him and Ocho Cinco or him with Gilbert Arenas is great. Um, but to me, I look at this. This is kind of like a semi-manufactured beef, and we are we already know what direction that this is going in. They're going to meet up in Indianapolis. You're going to see Mike Epps on Club Shay Shay in probably, if not that weekend, the following week. And there we go. That's what's going. That's what's going to happen. Mike Epps. Numbers gonna blow up on his or concert tour, and Shannon Sharp probably that interview will probably do about fifteen million views, ten to fifteen million, if not more views. Period. So that this is that that's I mean both these guys know how to play the game, and Shannon Sharp is playing the game as well as anybody right now as far as generating attention. And it's an interesting thing with Shannon Sharp because I don't think, you know, right now, first of all, I'm predicting in 2024 you're gonna see a number of beefs with Shannon Sharp. You're going to see a number of beefs involving Shannon Sharp because he is winning the internet. And right now, the most valuable, the most addictive drug right now in society that won't kill you, but, you know, is can do some damage, but it won't kill you physically, is attention. And right now, Shannon Sharp, there's no one right now who's generating type of attention from a sports person in terms of sports wise on in these viral streets or in these internet streets as Shannon Sharp so far in 2024. It is a highly competitive business going viral. Like people do people go go viral, do stupid shit, you forget about it in 10 seconds and we move on. Shannon Sharp going viral, these podcasts, the nightcap, these are these have been going this has been going on for about a month now. A month. And it's not going to stop because we'll be talking about Mike Epps in this up until All-Star Weekend, and then we'll continue. He'll come out with another interview. We'll talk about that. So he is winning the internet, and you're going to see a lot. There's going to be some, there's going to be some jealousy. There's going to be some jealousy for sure. So this, is the, I, this will be the first of a few beefs I predict in 2024 uh, that, that, that people coming at Shannon Sharp. I just did like this. That's the society we we're in right now. Because what I have, what happens is, I come at you know you come at the the person who's setting the internet on fire. You gain traction with the attention that they might might give you, and it turns it turns to a back and forth, and that's that's what that's where we're at right now. So, I like I like you can't take away anything away from what Shannon Sharp is doing right now because I don't think even though he wants the attention for his podcast, I'm sure we all do. But it's not just he's not just a click he's not a clickbait or he's not a a, a classic a classic uh, clickbaiter per se and just saying wild shit and seeing what happens seeing what sticks no that there's a skill to what he's doing and you know obviously the type of guest that he's getting like a list guest here like in a comedian from the comedic world the entertainment world so you know he's he's killing the game in 2024 uh, and again Mike Epps. Will absolutely eat off this, uh, in terms of his concert tours. I, mean, I promise you. Okay, they're going to do a sit down interview within two weeks. I, I guarantee. I I guarantee it that this, this, this that it will happen. As far as the Usher performance goes, um, listen, the problem with the Usher performance was not Usher. The problem with the Usher performance is was you had to you know he has to squeeze in thirty years of classics in thirteen minutes. And 
that's that's a rough deal. And he did he, listen, he did an excellent job at it. But I thought I thought that he if you'd have got another like five to seven minutes, that the show could have been even like legendary. I'm not gonna sit up here and rank the show. I there have been too many shows for me. I would have to really sit down and do some digging to to rank it per se. Um it was it was a great performance. Um the problem was the problem for Usher was her. That was a problem. I thought her when she started playing the guitar, basically a cappella, I think she I thought she stole the show. I thought for that for that two or three minutes, I I I really believe that she stole that for that two or three minute period, which is a long which is a long time, which is a big chunk when you consider that the halftime each of these halftime shows is only like twelve to thirteen minutes. She was phenomenal. I mean, I'm a big. I've always been a big her fan. She's she's immensely talented. Uh, has had a number of hits, won Grammys, Oscars. So she's all world talent. She actually stole Usher's thunder. I hate to say it, but it's true. That was the biggest problem with the Usher show. It's not too. It's not nobody to blame. I mean, it's just one of those things that just happened. It was a great performance, but her performance was her her performance was remarkable. Just a great performance. That was the problem with the Usher. That that took that to me. That took away a bit uh, from Usher's performance. To be honest with you. So we are done with the actual playing. Actual talking about the, the games on the football field. Um, but we're clearly not done with NFL football. Of course, it is I, like I mentioned earlier. It is uh, year round. We will shift our programming. And our topics in to the NBA. You have All Star Weekend coming up. A lot to talk about in what's been a busy NBA season. A lot of great stories. Uh, just a fascinating Western Conference, to say the least. How deep it is. Are these younger teams ready to over to, to kind of push aside? You know the likes of the Lakers and Golden State as the old guard. This old guard tries to hang on. Um. You know, Denver is Denver, even though they got spanked last night. Uh, we can kind of see that coming with Milwaukee, them beating Milwaukee the week before. But just a lot, just a great lot of great stories in the NBA right now. A lot, a, a lot to like about the NBA right now. Again, I've said this, and I'll, I'll say it a couple. Last, I think last podcast or podcast before this is, or I think it was last podcast, last podcast that there is as much talent in the NBA as there's as there ever has been. And I think I really believe that is the second this is the we're witnessing the second greatest era of basketball. Right? The basketball night in, night out is phenomenal. And it's played at a at a just uber high level. It really is. It really is remarkable watching the NBA night in and night out. And you don't have to have like great two great teams playing. Like last night, perfect uh, case in point, Victor Wembanyama has a Triple double with ten with you know what twenty seven fourteen and ten blocks against a bad Toronto team. So you have two shitty teams, right? Toronto and San Antonio, but you have this generational talent who's going to be the best player in the league in in two years and who's going to be a championship player if he stays healthy. So just watching him was worth you know was what was worth a watch last night. To be honest with you, that's where the NBA is at right now. Uh, in terms of level of talent, so we will, we will uh, obviously be discussing a lot more NBA. 
as always, the NBA, you know, the NFL never shuts down. There'll be you know cuts in the draft. You know, start looking at you know some draft and what what could possibly happen with that. Uh, that's gonna wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. This podcast will be up by tomorrow. Have a great, great rest of your evening. So long.